Hi, this is David Sylvan. In this next installment of our Health Voyages podcast series, we thought it would be fun to repackage a conversation between two luminaries that was hosted as part of our recent Belcherware Family Innovation Day for Pediatrics and Women's Health. This fireside chat included Dr. Claudia Hoyen. Claudia is UH's Pediatric Infection Disease Specialist. She is also the Chief Innovation Officer for Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, as well as Heather Ettinger. Heather is the founder and CEO of Luma Wealth here in Cleveland, and is also a, an influential member of our Ventures Advisory Committee. We collaborated with our partners at Plug and Play for this, uh, for this conversation. And here's Jennifer Thomas, Managing Director for Plug and Play Cleveland, to tee up this illuminating conversation regarding motherhood, health and wealth during COVID-19. So let's get to our speakers. Um, the last year has been devastating and has been a devastating one for so many different populations. And one of the hardest hit has been women. The Bureau of Labor Statistics just released data to show that women have lost 4.6 million jobs since the pandemic started. And 32% of women aged 25 to 44 said that childcare was the reason for unemployment. So this event is timely in that we must not only focus on the physical and emotional wellness of mothers and women, but also on their financial health as well. And we're honored to have our esteemed speakers, Heather Edinger and Dr. Claudia Hoyen, who are perfectly positioned to give us this needed insight. So let me introduce our speakers and if they can get on screen. Um, Heather Edinger is the founder and CEO of Luma Wealth Advisors. She's the, also the managing partner of Fairport Wealth. And now as of November, 2020, she is author of a best-selling book, Lumination, Shining a Light on a Woman's Journey to Financial Wellness. So as a champion for women and girls for over 30 years, Heather is widely recognized for her unique experience and dedication to helping women build their financial acumen and wealth, culminating in her founding Luma Wealth Advisors in 2017. And what she does is she specializes in helping clients and their families create strategic financial plans to guide them through life transitions, such as a divorce or a loss of a spouse. And she, um, and she aligns their resources and around family values and their community impact. So welcome, Heather. Jennifer, thank you so much to you and Plug and Play and UH Ventures and the innovation teams. And most especially, thank you to all the healthcare workers and administrators for all that you've done for us. And most especially my friend here, Claudia Hoyen. Heather. Exactly. Well, Dr. Hoyen, it is so wonderful to have you here as well. Um, Dr. Claudia Hoyen is a trained pediatric infectious disease specialist and is, in, and is currently the Director of Infection Control at UH Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital and the co-director for the University Hospital Health System. Her special interests include antimicrobial resistance, colonization with antibiotic resistant pathogens and molecular epidemiology. Her passion is in promoting innovation healthcare for women and children. And she has directed the innovation program at Rainbow and McDonald House for 12 years and has shepherded many ideas through the innovation channels, resulting in new models for patient care at Rainbow and also medical devices and software products. So she's linked to a greater group of change agents promoting innovation in pediatrics and is 
currently the secretary for the International Society for Pediatric Innovation. Welcome, Dr. Hoyan. Thanks so much. It's really um, going to be a great day and happy to be here with Plug and Play and Heather. Our two esteemed guests take it from here and have an amazing fireside chat and then I'll pop up um, so we can do some live Q&A. Thanks. That sounds good. Thanks, Jennifer. Heather, hello. We're back hello, at a fireside. Man. Yeah, we've spent, we spent a lot of time talking together um, over the years. Uh, and so it's really wonderful um, to be with you here today. Um, as you're really one of my favorite humans. So it's, uh, it's really my honor to be here. We just wanna talk about um, a lot of your work uh, because it's just become so critical uh, to what we're seeing for women um, around uh, you know, Cleveland, the state of Ohio, the country and the globe. Um, and we, we really need to be sure that you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're we're giving women the tools that they need to, to be successful. Um, and so, you know, we've talked a lot over the years. Um, you've been doing um, financial um, work in, in the financial service industry uh, for 30 years, as I've been a pediatrician for 30 years. Um, and um, we have both, uh, you know, ended up in a world where we spend a lot of time thinking about women and women and their children and their families. Uh, what motivated you to move in that direction, especially with where you started out um, in such a male-dominated field? Thank you, Claudia. Um, so I think it's a it's a really important question, um, and the the shorter version of the story is when I moved back to Cleveland, I was very fortunate and started working with some female philanthropists who um, actually uh, were the source of their own wealth. So they did not inherit from you know, a traditional spouse, mm -hmm. et cetera. And there were three things that I learned through them and the work that I did uh, for the Women's Foundation. And that was number one was that women, even when it was their money, were not treated well by the financial services industry. Mm -hmm. uh, our industry was condescending not very helpful. Number two was that only 6% of national funding was going to programs that advanced women and girls. And I thought, gosh, I really would like to get behind that and start to move the needle. And the third was that if you educate and empower women, they are the agents of social change. And that is my why to this day of what I do. The, the fact of the matter is that a different approach needs to be used for women. And why is that? And I often start presentations with a, a cartoon that says, men, if you want to understand a woman's mind, imagine 2,857 tabs open on a computer all at the same time, right. all the time. And so if we think about that, that, that multi-dimensional focus that women have is part of the reason why we've been some of the drivers on integrative medicine. Well, the same thing is true in my world. It really should be approached as integrative financial wellness. And why is that? Well, at your core, you have money messages that have influenced your money values. And then 
it's really about managing life. And life is six different categories, which would include job purpose, relationships, health, spirituality, community, and play. And so you need to integrate all those different areas into your financial plan, not just how much money you have, which is often treated as the what. The what is those six areas. And the how happens to be, yes, your financial resources, but also your human capital, how you choose to spend your time and your gifts. So I look at uh, the wellness space, the financial wellness space, very much like integrative medicine. You've got to have the integration of all those different pieces if women are going to have a healthy relationship with their money. Yeah, it's, it's just so critical. Um, and, you know, I, I thank you for being one of the leaders in this area. Uh, as, as we've said, you know, this year has just been unprecedented um, in so many regards. Um, and, you know, as, as we're going through this, you know, we're, we're exposing those vulnerabilities, um, you know, for all people, but especially as we've gone through the pandemic for women. Um, and, you know, I, I saw an alarming statistic uh, from some of the stuff that we had shared, and it, there's a 9% drop in the labor force participation among unpartnered mothers, which is the largest among all of these groups. Um, you know, women and mothers have just been hit so hard um, with these conditions that COVID has created. You know, jobs are eliminated, um, you know, compromising uh, existing work, wreaking havoc on finances, uh, you know, affecting their, as we said, uh, you know, physical and emotional um, and mental health. Uh, and, and given that with your background, really how does that financial wellness play into a woman's overall integrated wellness? It's, it's such an important question. And, and I think Claudia, we're gonna look back on this time and, and the term she session has been used quite a bit because it really is a woman's recession uh, in terms of the job loss, as Jennifer mentioned on the opener and, and you mentioned as well. And now we, we are looking December, for example, the numbers were just heartbreaking. It was largely hundreds of thousands of jobs that were lost and it was almost all women. Um, so this is a really critical point. And on the other side of it, you have women really, even if they're the breadwinner in the family, still running over 70% of the family needs, so to speak. So what can we do to, to try to make it a little bit healthier? Well, number one is whatever time she has, she has to spend on self-care, which includes financial care. And and in the book, I use this image of, I call it the illumination confidence zone. And we unfortunately start out in the fear zone, which is the woulda, shoulda, coulda. And all of a sudden I have curveballs thrown at me and I don't have enough time. And quite frankly, there are a lot of good excuses for why women can't get a hold of their finances. But the fact of the matter is you have to start with one step. And that first step should likely be what do you have still coming into the house, whether it's income, whether it's unemployment benefits, whatever, what is coming into the house and what are your expenditures? And you can start that with, you know, apps like Mint 
or others. And, and if you go to my site, I, I am always happy to share different resources. But that's where you need to start. You need to start so you can get into that learning zone with getting information that can help you make informed decisions. And um, so you start with just some basic knowledge of, you know, what are your fixed expenses? Are there opportunities to delay some of those expenses with some of the federal aid programs if that's what you need, um, et cetera? And then the idea is you get into the learning zone and you start to get the information you need to make informed decisions. And our hope is you eventually get into the confidence zone where you, you feel good about the decisions you've made and why and what the priorities of the family are. But I will tell you, you have a lot of company. Before this even started, the largest source of stress in this country was financial stress. Mm, yeah. And that's across all socioeconomic um, categories. So this, this is something that we need better information and we need an approach for women that's really more about managing life than it is looking at CNBC, or other uh, news programs that are all about winners and losers. That's not what this is about. This is about getting a handle on what you and your family need to move forward. And that's what financial wellness is. Yeah, as you said, Heather, for people to be able to get these tools um, as we're going through this so that you know they have a place to start when they maybe get back to work um, and, and really don't get lost um, through the pandemic, it's it's just critical that um, people start working on that aspect of their wellness. So speaking of that, Claudia, I'd, I'd like to kind of flip it and ask you a question here. Sure. Um, COVID has clearly changed our whole definition of healthcare. And um, how has your practice changed with a wider lens to uh, focus not just on, on kids, but now mothers and the caregivers who are, are involved in the care of their children and family. Yeah, this, you know, I, I try to stay positive. You know, this is a global pandemic. So this is, you know, the thing that all of us infection, infectious diseases and infection control people, um, you know, we practice for it and hope that it never comes, but it, it is here. Um, and so we've, we've seen this pandemic really highlight a lot of weaknesses, um, you know, not only in the way we provide healthcare, uh, but also in society, as we've said, you know, weaknesses with, in regards to, um, you know, women in the workplace. And, and so I think, you know, although uh, it's been a hard year, um, it's given us that chance to really kind of stop and try to figure out how moving forward we can make this better. Um, and, and we can't give up after the pandemic. We need to keep moving these things forward because it's, it's really critical. If, you know, if we wanna be better, uh, we have this opportunity now to take it, um, but we need to stick with it. I think for, for healthcare, again, you know, I, I do see patients, but I spend a lot of time um, worrying about our employees as well. So for me, there's actually been two buckets of where the pandemic has highlighted um, the need really for better systems and systemness and, you know, making sure that things are integrated um, so that we can improve the care of our patients, but so that we can also take good care of our employees. 
um, because it, you know the two are, are so related and especially in pediatrics where most of the workforce is women. You know, we have, this has been highlighted for us again and again and again. Um, and we're fortunate here at Rainbow to have our affiliation with Mac House. And so, you know, for us, women and children is, is what we do. Um, and so to be able to, to lift moms and their kids um, is really an important thing. You know, Rainbow and Mac had started actually, I think a few years ago on this journey in terms of how do we, how do we make this easier for people? How do we, how do we create a play? How do we create places where it's easy for people to get healthcare? And so, you know, we started with our Center for Women and Children as a model um, and, you know, trying to co-locate moms and kids together um, so that, you know, everyone's in the same place when, when they need healthcare. Um, but the pandemic has really just absolutely highlighted that we are not going fast enough for people. And, and we really need to do um, the best that we can for moms and kids to be able to be sure, you know, that we're thinking of them oftentimes as a unit. And especially now, you know, kids are, you know, some of these kids are with their, their mothers 24 seven. It's, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody's in school or very few kids are in school. You know, moms are at home or, you know, they're, they're you know, just juggling so many different things. So it's really incumbent on us in healthcare to be sure that we're building systems for our patients so that we can take good care of everybody. Um, and then I think in my role as the infection control um, officer for uh, Rainbow and, and working together with a partner in the system, you know, really how we care for our employees um, has been at the top of our list um, as we've been going through this pandemic. Um, and again, you know, it, this pandemic has just highlighted how important women are um, within organizations and, and the critical roles that they play in keeping patients healthy. 70% um, of all of the frontline care workers in, in most hospital systems around the world are women. Um, interestingly, only 30% of the leaders uh, in those very same systems are women. And so uh, women are, you know, at the front line caring for patients. Um, and, and, you know, all, many of these women are not only our healthcare workers, but like we said, they're moms. Um, they have kids, um, you know, so we've needed to try to be as creative as we can with scheduling people, you know, uh, having people be able to take time off, um, trying to help each other out when they're at work. Um, there are just so many, so many areas of this um, pandemic that have highlighted, you know, how, how do we need to be thinking about moms in the workforce moving forward? And, and how do we really embrace, um, you know, not only the jobs that people have when they're here, but the ones that they have at home and, and make that better. Um, I, think, I think that another really interesting thing <laughs> that I've seen in the statistics is that 70% of healthcare acquired COVID by healthcare workers have been women. And again, that is from the role that they play, that, that intimate role that they play in taking care of patients. You know, uh, they're nurses, they're therapists, they're physicians. Uh, you know, again, they are 
in that space with people. Um, and so they have disproportionately um, been affected by the pandemic and have, um, have been, uh, you know, uh, suffered from COVID um, that they've gotten from, from work. Fortunately at UH, um, we've had very few of our frontline providers actually contract COVID at work. In fact, most of it is um, either out in the community or when they're with colleagues at work not wearing masks. But again, that number is staggering. 70% of the COVID-related infections in hospitals um, in the healthcare workers are women. And then I think the other thing that, that I know I've thought about a lot, um, you know, especially in the early days of the pandemic when there wasn't enough PPE, really as, as companies are developing personal protective equipment, um, only about 20 or 30% of the companies have actually ever tried to make a mask that fits a woman's face as opposed to a man's face. Um, and so again, it's, it's just really striking to me as somebody who, you know, I worry about all 30,000 of our employees every day during this pandemic because it's my job to make sure that they stay safe. And, you know, there's this heightened awareness that I need to be super vigilant of, of what we're doing for the women in the workplace. Um, because they're really more at risk and we need to do everything that we can to keep them safe and, and happy and healthy, not only at work, but at home as well. I, I just so agree. I think there's so many parallels between the healthcare industry and the financial services industry. And, and we know that the number of mothers um, who have experienced adverse health effect um, due to worry and stress during the pandemic is around 69% um, compared to 51% of fathers. And I think, um, you know, what, what we've seen in the last year, first of all, to your point, we did a big pivot. Ironically, we picked wellness as our theme in 2020. Um, and we had a lot of programs that we were doing for, for clients in our community around wellness. And we did a quick pivot to do them um, for our employees first, because we knew like the medical world, we couldn't yeah. deliver the care if we didn't take care of ourselves first. Right. The other scary statistic I wanted to share is that we, we do a deep dive with um, uh, clients on the front end. And when I ask uh, parents and, and particular mothers, what keeps you up at night? Mm -hmm. They say the mental wellness of my children. And yeah. that was pre-pandemic. And we all know it's much worse. Yeah. So as we look at kind of going through this last year, we've done some pivots that I think are really important. And, and we all need to do it, right, to take care of the women. So, for example, the widows who were isolated, family often couldn't visit them. Our receptionist actually who obviously was not greeting people at our office and is a wonderfully empathetic woman, reached out to them because as advisors, we can only do that so much and talk to them. We had to pivot and really help clients with PPP loans um, and, and uh, with our business owners. Um, but most especially, I think what we're trying to do is help these women manage the stress of the, of the life of the family. And to your point, um, you know, that may include not only just childcare, but elder care. Yeah. And you and I have shared <laughs> that journey of elder care. And boy, does that create a lot of stress. So I think as leaders, it's just so important and incumbent upon us to 
talk to our employees about those challenges in childcare and elder care and how we can help them. And in my world, you know, also help them to see what financial resources might be available to help them through that journey and for us to help connect them to those um, during this truly difficult time. Yeah. So as you were talking, you actually um, really answered uh, some of my uh, next question, which was, you know, everyone's been hard hit. Um, and so you, you know, you've given some specific examples of how your team has uh, reached out, like with the PPP loans and that kind of stuff, making sure that people have that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think I'll just go right to my next question, which is why is it so important to educate and empower women on this subject? I know we've touched a little bit on it, but I, I know you have a lot more to say. Sure. So um, just as we know, women make over 80% of the healthcare decisions, um, yes, typically for multiple generations in their family. If you look at the world of, of financial wellness, 95% um, of women will control the family finances at some point in their life. So this is not an if, this is a when. And so it's really important to have financial literacy, to have financial education. And, um, and, and so that is a critical element. The second is that women are gonna live longer. And by the way, we already control the wealth in this country. We already control over 50% of the wealth in this country and will inherit disproportionately because we will typically, if we're in a traditional marriage, heterosexual marriage, we will outlive our spouse by seven to 10 years. And we will also inherit from the generation above us. So we have a lot of power we just don't use it. Um, and it's really important to integrate it into the whole wellness field. You and I have had conversations, as you know, I focus a lot of my giving on programs that advance women and girls. I focus right. on investing in startups um, that help move along healthcare for women and children. So. I think those, they're very integrated. They are not separate and distinct. And it's so important for women to be educated on these so that they can move ahead in an intentional and thoughtful way, as opposed to just spending money, you know, on lattes at, at mm -hmm. Starbucks or just writing checks to whoever asks, really thinking about a framework for this. And so I don't mean to be totally self-serving, but the book does help with that. It goes through these six areas of life. What's your past? What's your present? And how do you design that intentional future? Um, so that's illumination or feel free to sign up for any of our newsletters at Luma Wealth because they're really about managing life. It's, it's not all about the money. It's about the integration of your values, your life, and how your financial resources help you get there. Yeah. Right, time has flown. This is a fantastic conversation. I wish we had another hour. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have more questions, Claudia, so we can bring them up, but I did um, see some questions come up and I wanted to try to get those to you, Heather. Um, you, re you mentioned this she session, a woman's recession. And, and what are your thoughts about how long it will take or, or what it will take to get women back to these previous levels of earning or, or, or financial health? 
Well, unfortunately, most of those who are writing about it say we probably lost 10 years. But like Claudia, I want to be the eternal optimist and say that I'm looking for the she covery now. (laughs) Um, And as I said, we have a lot more power than we realize. We need to gain more power in terms of negotiating skills in the workplace. Um, Also, I've done some research around breadwinner women. And in the study of over a thousand women, 46% said they knew they were leaving money on the table. So how do we move forward, Jennifer? People need advice, just like financial advice, just like you need to go to a doctor. I'm not gonna get all the answers on WebMD. And goodness knows, you know, a self-diagnosis could take me down a very wrong path. So just like you need medical professionals and specialists when you have certain areas of need, you need a financial coach to help you with that. And um, both in the back of the book and also resources on our site, I have questions to ask when looking for a financial professional and what to look for in the answer. So getting the right coach for you, we aren't the right fit for everybody, um, but it's important to get that coach, somebody that can help you in that journey so that you're making the right decisions. And that's not just about investments, but it's also about your benefits and understanding that how to leverage those and get the most from them for you and your family and other resources. So it's so, so important to take those steps uh, to move forward. Right, and then I think it bears mentioning or repeating that the reason you wrote the book in the first place was that the framework for sort of financial wellness um, does, that, that, that exists currently doesn't apply to women at all. Can you just to talk about that for a second, how we really need to start from scratch? Sure. So our industry, like many male-dominated industries, and it's, it's not really meant to male bash at all. It's just yeah. saying it is what it is. We are where we are, right? Women couldn't get a, a, a bank account till 1974 without ta- taking a man in to the bank with them. So think about that. A widow would have to go find some other guy to go in so she could open a bank account, right? So we've, we've had these very um, archaic ways of doing things. One is this kind of everything's focused on investments and, and the what being how much money you have. That's not the what. The what is those six areas of life. And the why is your values, your priorities. What Jennifer wants, what Claudia wants, isn't the same as what Heather wants. And that's okay. We shouldn't be on the same journey, but our industry doesn't treat it that way. Um, While the majority of women want a financial advisor, 80% leave meetings feeling misunderstood. And the simple process to kind of rectify that is find somebody who's gonna spend the time to get to know what's unique about you and your family. And in that discovery process, they should come back and be able to answer your question when you say, what have you learned about me and my family that would be very important as you craft financial advice for us? And the study that I did, you know, 96% of women said that's the most important thing. So we have this kind of, very canned approach 
that has to do with winners and losers and investments only and how much money do you have and putting us on like the defensive of, gosh, do I even warrant getting, getting an advisor or whatever? You definitely deserve an advisor who can coach you. So flip it and say, nope, I deserve this. This is part of managing the life of my family. This isn't just about me. This is about the family. And so in order for all of us to move forward, I need to change how I interact with our advisor, find the right advisors that will help me move us forward. And they are out there. So, um, you know, as I said, I'm always willing to be a resource and don't worry, I won't sell you on our firm. I do know the network and I will help you find the right people to give you good advice. That's great, thank you, Heather. And then Dr. Hoyan, I just wanted to give you a, a chance for some final comments too. Um, just, you know, from what you've seen or what you yeah. think will be happening over the next couple of months, even a year. Yeah, I think, again, like I said, um, you know, we need to find the silver lining in all of this that has happened to all of us over the last year. And within healthcare, I really think the silver lining is accelerating the things that we know that we've needed to do for our patients. Uh, and, and it has now given us the impetus, as well as the knowledge that we can do these things quickly. Um, you know, we need to make it easier for people to get healthcare. Um, you know, in my infection control role, I spend a lot of time in the quality world. And so in terms of, um, you know, learning about high reliability, uh, high reliability medicine, you know, we, you want to focus on building systems where people can do the right thing 100% of the time. And we need to do that not only in the hospital when we're taking care of patients, but we need to build systems so that patients can come in and, and we're meeting them where they are whether it's a virtual call, whether we've got them on remote home monitoring, whatever it is, we need to be accessible to them so that when they have that downtime, they can take advantage of it and you know, squeeze in their healthcare for them and their kids. Uh, you know, As I said, moms and kids are so important. They're our future. And so we need to be able to keep them healthy so that everybody, um, in our society, uh, you know, can advance after all of this has happened to us and everyone can have a bright future. So, you know, let's do what we can to make it easy, um, give people what they need, where they need it, keep them healthy and, you know, have a promising future for uh, kids moving forward. Well, good. Thank you so much to both of you. This has been such an enlightening conversation. And I just want to tell the audience that the Q&A is still open. So if you have questions for Heather or Dr. Hoyan that weren't answered, um, please go ahead and throw them in the Q&A. But this has been a fantastic conversation and, and, and uh, we just really appreciate your participation. Thank you again, Heather and Dr. Hoyan. Thanks. Thanks for letting us spend time with you today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And um, best of luck to all of you and continued uh, safety and good health. Great. Thank you so much. And thanks to our partner, University Hospital Ventures, too, for being such a fantastic partner and, and, uh, and introducing us to Dr. Hoyan and Heather so that we could have this great conversation.